Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. We talked with Marjorie Taylor Greene. We'll play her interview coming up here in a little bit. Joel Pollack is in Israel, uh, so we talked with him. Bradley Jay is in D.C., so we talked with him about the funding bill that will be voted on this weekend, and it's, it's the Republicans got rolled uh, by the Democrats, as always. Tied that in, of course, with Marjorie. Marjorie put a, um, a bill up to impeach Mayorkas yesterday, and it got voted down. Eight Republicans voted against it, which is just mind, mind-blowing. We took so many wonderful phone calls today. Today was a very interesting show. We, we bounced back and forth between two things. The whole show, pretty much. It was between feckless Republicans and the five Americans who were killed in that helicopter crash that no one's paying attention to, except for us, except for you. No one seems to care about, except for you. We kept going back and forth between those two things. So... I don't know what segment to play. We just, we're going to play our first segment here because we started off with some political stuff, just kind of lay, lay the land uh, politics-wise, and then we, uh, got, we started into uh, this topic about uh, the, the five Americans, and we kind of just continue this throughout the show in different ways. Please, if you subscribe to SiriusXM, you can hear the whole podcast, but uh, enjoy our opening segment. So let's uh, start off with some political stuff. Uh, Again, spending bill on Friday. So Speaker Mike Johnson, this is his big test. And the Democrats are going to crush him. I hate to say it. I'm rooting for Mike Johnson. I'm probably rooting for Mike Johnson like I've never rooted for a politician in my life. I want him to do amazingly well. I want him to be a leader that people can look, look to and point to. As this is the way you should lead. This is how you can be strong, bold, effective, still embody the fruits of the spirit. You don't have to be a wicked Nancy Pelosi in order to get stuff done in D.C. Like I really, really want Mike Johnson to do well, and uh, but this you just can't win this. You can't. The Democrats have the Senate. The Democrats have the White House. They have the ultimate leverage. Sometimes, sometimes in a battle you just can't win. You can do the best you can, but you're not going to win it. I don't know. We'll talk to Marjorie Taylor Greene. We'll see what she would do differently if she were in the minority power like this. So Republicans are going to get rolled on it on Friday when it comes to spending. And my spin, my positive spin on it is it comes down even more to the White House and the Senate one year from now. Now, White House, you can say, oh, you know, Trump was the president for two years and he was no better on spending. Well, he was definitely better. He was definitely better. I can be critical of him all day long. We all can for not cutting spending more, not cutting it enough. And why is there still a Department of Education? <laughs> right? But... Between the difference between him and Biden, I mean, what are we talking about? There's no contest. Who's better for spending? So the White House, of course, that race matters. And then the Senate. So we have a little intrigue in the Senate here. Even if Republicans lose the White House, even if you had the, the House and the Senate, that's good. So you got Joe Manchin, 
leaving the Senate now. He's a Democrat, West Virginia. Trump won West Virginia by 39 points. <laughs> 39. So uh, Manchin's gone, and the Republican is going to win that Senate race. So now, if all else holds, the Senate would be 50-50. So whoever controls the White House, that's, you then control the Senate. Now, Republicans are defending two Senate seats that were, we were told are close. And you're like, oh, no, which ones? Florida and Texas. I mean, pretty sure we'll win, like Republicans will win. It's Rick Scott and Ted Cruz. Like, I'm pretty sure Ted Cruz is going to win the Senate seat. I don't think a Democrat's going to win it. So uh, we'll hold those. Those are hold seats. So, again, with West Virginia picking that up, you're 50-50. So Republicans need to, it would be nice for Republicans to pick up another seat or two. And those two are Ohio and Montana. Again, a 50-50 with, a white, with Trump in the presidency, that's good enough. Although you got some squishy Republicans, you know? So let's, let's pick up a couple more real Republican seats. So Ohio is a big one. Ohio's become more of a red state. Forget about the abortion issue, but more of a red state. Uh, three Republicans are still vying for that nomination. So you don't have to worry about the polls yet because there's no Republican candidate yet. Uh, at this point, J.D. Vance, the other senator from Ohio, was, was fourth place in the primaries a year out. So uh, Ohio breaks late. So that, that we'll, we'll see how that one goes. We're going to get involved in that race. It's a big one. And then Montana. What, come on, Montana. There's no excuse for the senator from Montana to be a Democrat. Trump won Montana by 16 points. So I think there's two or three Republicans still, I mean, I think just two, vying for that one. Uh, so the Republicans should win Montana too, again, with Trump at the top of the ticket. So Republicans should have a 52-48 Senate. And then House control, hopefully the White House. And then it's game on. So I'm very excited for 2024. I think things look good. Now, I've been disappointed so many times. <laughs> so I've been disappointed. We've been disappointed even after Republicans win everything. Still disappointed. But I think the line is uh, I'd rather be uh, on the Republican side politically. Like, like who's going to win the race in a year? I'd rather be a Republican than a Democrat right now. So back to Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House. It's going to be interesting to see how he can spin this spending bill that they're going to pass as some sort of victory for Republicans. It's not a victory for Republicans at all. In no way is it a victory for Republicans or for our country. It's, it's bad. But how is he going to spin it? I think I, I gave the best spin I could. Something like, oh, the, the, this bill highlights the importance of 2024 and get out the vote and something like that. But I don't know what else you can spin it up. Now, it's really easy to be cynical. I hear you right now. Oh, Slater, it doesn't matter anyway. Republicans are just as bad. as I get it. They're not just as bad, though. <laughs> I, mean, I, I used to give the old line, uh, listen, you're either driving off a cliff at 40 miles per hour with Republicans or 80 miles per hour with Democrats. Right? Democrats are going 80. Republicans are going 40. You're driving off the cliff either way. And that's true. But... 40 miles per hour is better than 80, isn't it? And I want the Republicans to turn the car around, but we're not there yet. So 40 miles per hour at least buys us a little time. Yes, we're heading over the cliff, and I'm, I don't want to be heading over the cliff. I'm with you that want to turn the car around, but why go 80? I don't know, that doesn't... 
So it's not going to be good. Just brace yourself for what happens to the big vote on this Thursday or Friday. We've got a couple congressmen that we're going to talk to in the next couple of days uh, to get the inside scoop for you on that. All right, it's enough uh, politics for now. we got more of the rest of the day. Let me, i got uh, about five minutes here before we talk to Joel Pollack in Israel. i got to take a minute here to talk about the five service members who were killed as their helicopter crashed in the Mediterranean Sea. Five U.S. Army Special Operations guys. There, there's uh, a couple of things happening here that I, I cannot stop thinking about. First of all, Eastern Mediterranean, we're told. I got it. We all know what's Eastern Mediterranean. What were they doing there? What, where, what, what's going on with Eastern Mediterranean? Let me check out a map. Okay, Mediterranean Sea, head east. Oh, wow, yeah, sure enough. Look what you bump into. Eastern Mediterranean. Uh, the, the line is the MH-16 Blackhawk was conducting aerial refueling training when the aircraft experienced an in-flight emergency resulting in the crash. That's the official line. What, what do you mean Training. What are, you, what are you talking about training? Why, why is the Black Hawk helicopter doing training in the Mediterranean Sea? And is like, what are you, what are you talking about? With, with special ops guys, they're training? They're just, I think they're just doing. Right? I think at a certain point, they were just refueling. Why do we have to say they were training for refueling? I think they were just refueling. So I don't I understand the training line. That makes me skeptical of things. But listen, I'm not, uh, this isn't even my point. I'm not throwing conspiracy theories out about what really happened, although it wouldn't surprise me at all if it was not what we're told it is. My, the thing that's haunting to me is that the media and the American people don't seem to care more about these men and their families. That this is really bothering me, that this is not getting more attention. So, I talked about this a little bit yesterday, and I got a couple of emails. Here's an email from a guy, Ruck. He said, Slater, the details of this incident might be withheld for good reason. It could be that the details of what they were doing, how they died, or for what purposes might endanger the lives of their fellow soldiers who are still in harm's way. Or it might communicate to the enemy the goals or details of what they were trying to accomplish. Either way, this information should not be made public until time such as proper. Okay. Uh, so I, don't need, you can, uh, I don't need to know the exact details. I don't need to know the exact details. So fair, fine, fine, okay. And then he said, rest assured, their stories will be known. Their songs will be sung in due time when it is proper. That's where I, I disagree. I'm not sure their stories will be known. I'm not sure their song will be sung by the American people. We just had Veterans Day. This happened on Veterans Day. What percentage of the American people this year do you think did a single Veterans Day thing at all? 5%, 2% of the American people? Seriously, what percentage of the American people do you think went to a single Veterans thing? What makes us think that our country would give due, due justice to these five men who dedicated their lives to our countries and left their families behind and died in the Mediterranean Sea? I, I don't think anyone, and I can't, except for us, right? I, I can't go on knowing that the people of my country don't care. This will drive me absolutely mad. And even if we don't know the exact specifics of the operation, let's assume we can trust our government about this. I don't, but let's assume we, we, we can. You can still talk about them. 
And uh, I don't think anyone is mourning at all or thinking about it or caring about it. It's like, it's a massive problem to me. I don't. Let me share this real quick. We'll, we'll take a break. We'll talk to uh, Joel. You, you've heard the story about how Leonidas chose the 700 men for the battle of Thermopylae. You've heard that story before. It's made up. It's not a real story. <laughs> Stephen Pressfield made it up in the book Gates of Fire, which you have to read. No one knows how he chose the 300 men to defend Sparta and Greece and go to certain death. No one knows. But Pressfield imagined that Leonidas chose the 300 men not based off their fighting skill because he had plenty to choose from, but he chose them based off the strength of their wives because he knew that when word came back to Sparta that all these men died and that, that your husband died, that all of Sparta and all the world would look to see how the Spartan women, how the Spartan wives responded. And if the Spartan wives were crushed, then Leonidas thought that Sparta would fall. None of the other men would rise up to fight. But if the Spartan women, the 300 women were strong, then that would inspire the rest of Sparta and the rest of Greece to be strong and win. That's, that's how Pressfield imagines it. And I like that. But we're in a weird place right now because we're not even given the chance to respond. We're not even given the story. People don't even know. Five of our absolute best fighting men died on Friday night in a helicopter crash. And no one knows. Oh, so I don't want to give away the details of their operation. Yeah, sure. No one even knows and will know or will ever care. And I'm, I'm wrecked about that. That absolutely, like, that, that, that is, there's so many signs about the downfall of this country. Put this one near the top. And the only hope I have, and I'm going to give it a couple of days, the only hope I have is that these men's hometowns step up in a big way and wrap their love around their families and, and you know, line the streets during their funeral, stuff like that. It's Clarksville, Tennessee. Their hometowns are Clarksville, Tennessee, Sacramento, California, Gorham, New Hampshire, Apache Junction, Arizona, and Mankato, Minnesota. And I just love these towns. I mean, this is, this is the real America that we talked about last week. This is deep America. These are the places that raise special operations soldiers. These are the towns that still have the Americans in it who care. And we have to snap out of this idea that, that war is a video game or war is just like a game of risk. Then you just like move little pieces around. Real Americans die. And it's all so distant and so disconnected from the rest of us that when five of our absolute best die, no one even cares. I know you do. I'm not, I'm not preaching to you. I'm not like mad at you. I know you care. You care. Most people don't. And if they don't, maybe they would care, but they don't even know. The least we can do is care. And I think about our other veterans or service members who are, who are like watching us not care. And they're like, what? What do you mean? Like, I would think, I would, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I would think that when our, if our service members are serving right now, I, I would think that if they, if they died, that the American people would give it a, a passing glance, a passing mention even. I suppose like, oh, mishap. Mm. Well, anyway, so Taylor Swift was at a concert the other day. You're not going to believe it. And she said the name Chief of the Fame because her boyfriend's a chief. He's a, he plays for the Chief. And Kelsey was in the audience. And he was all, all giddy about it. It was great. Really fun. 
That's great. And then we talk about that crap. And that's uh, that really bothers me. Here we talk to Marjorie Taylor Greene, a woman who I've never seen anyone more hated and more attacked in the media than her. And now she's like a normal person. Now she's like high up in the Republican Party. And it's like, well, how did you do that? How did you turn that around? And she's like, oh, I never changed. Do you think we need more Marjorie Taylor Greens? See what you think about that after this interview. We have lots to talk about with Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene as well, representing Northwest Georgia. Congressman Green, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Great to talk to you. Uh, and I got to tell you, I got to tell everyone, you have a new book coming out as well soon uh, in about a month or so called MTG. And you go to 45books.com and pre-order that right now. MTG is the title of the book about your life. And I want to ask about your life in a moment. Uh, but first, the big story yesterday is you proposed impeaching the head of the Department of Homeland Security and the Republicans, or eight of them, said no, and your bill did not pass. Why do you think it's appropriate to impeach Mayorkas? We have done the hearings. We have talked to the witnesses. We have heard from families who have had uh, their family member murdered, either by cartels or fentanyl. Um, the stories never end, and over 300 Americans are dying every single day from fentanyl. And last week, two of my constituents, a, a precious uh, older couple, was driving to Texas to go visit their family in Mexico. And they were killed by a human smuggler um, that was smuggling illegal aliens into Texas, a 17-year-old that was working for the cartels, uh, illegal himself. Wow. Um, and it is, we've had enough. And it's like, how many more Americans have to die before Republicans in Congress feel like they can actually push the button and vote to impeach Mayorkas. And eight Republicans last night voted to kill it, uh, send my articles of impeachment back to committee where they have been sitting there uh, collecting dust along with other articles of impeachment on Mayorkas. And it's ridiculous. I mean, these people are out of excuses. And I, I hope to God that their constituents let them know how poorly the, uh, they have done yesterday and, and how badly they are failing America. Mayorkas is responsible uh, for, for pushing through Biden's open border agenda, and he is literally breaking our laws. And my articles of impeachment went through law by law that Secretary Mayorkas is breaking, and he must be impeached. Um, Congress is out of excuses. It's time to act. Yeah, in a healthy country, just the story of your constituents would be enough to impeach had a homeland security that that would be enough let alone everything else like record yeah we we know all the numbers but no one covers it better than breitbart and uh so it's it's insane what is the excuse these eight republicans gave because like i like congressman isa is a border congressman in san diego uh tom mcclintock's a great conservative like what what excuse are these guys giving they don't have any excuses their their excuses are pathetic here here's the problem this is why i wrote my book mtg um, and, and I really hope people order it. Um, you can order it 45 books or you can go to mtgbook.com. It'll bring you right there to the same page. 
um, mtgbook.com, I write the stories of the battles that I have had with Republicans um, and in Congress against the Democrats ever since I've been there, since January of 2021, and it's outrageous. And so the Republicans that voted with the Democrats last night, you know, they call themselves conservatives, but they conserve nothing. They conserve nothing. Our freedoms are, are we're losing our freedoms, our, our free speech. Um, Tom McClintock is from California, and he sits on the Judiciary Committee. So he's on the very committee that refused uh, to pick up my articles of impeachment that had been there for six months um, and that I had also introduced them last Congress. So he refuses to, to move forward on impeachment in committee, but then cast a vote claiming that it should be done in committee. Daryl Issa, exactly the same thing. Another California Republican that sits on judiciary claiming that he can't wait to vote on, on impeaching Mayorkas. These people are liars. They are absolute hypocrites. And, you know, I don't even know why they're in Congress anymore and how dare they call themselves conservatives because either they're, they're holding the Constitution at such a high level where no one can be impeached after Democrats have impeached President Trump twice for, for virtually nothing, yeah. for, for politics. But Mayorkas absolutely deserves it. Okay, so I'm excited to read your book because I've spent a lot of time like my whole political life, trying to understand uh, the progressive and the the Democrat and like their mindset and their worldview and make sense of why they say what they say and do what they do and all that. But I don't understand the Republican, <laughs> the Republican who goes to D.C. and, as you said, doesn't conserve anything. What have you learned about their worldview and their mindset and what motivates them to do nothing? Time and time oh, again. Oh, it's it's. It's, you know, I'm going to call it exactly how I see it. It's, it's absolutely self-righteousness. And, you know, for some of them, that's, that's what they are. They, they, you know, proclaim God and proclaim the Constitution. And it's, it's like they sit around with white wigs on, um, you know, just talking about the Constitution. But yet they do nothing with it. And I think it's, I, I think they're cowards. I literally think they're cowards. Um, and, and they're they're almost worse than Democrats by refusing to do anything. Can you imagine the founding fathers today that gave us the ability to impeach would be outraged? They would they would probably physically throw these members of Congress out. It, it, they would never allow it. They would never allow this. Our country is invaded so badly. We're not even a country anymore. And we have over 1.8 million gotaways, and we know that there is probably thousands of terrorists and thousands of dangerous cartel members mixed in that 1.8 million, and they're all over our country. Um, and it just it, these these conservatives, or they call themselves conservatives, um, they ruin the name conservative, uh, and they're they're actually killing Republicans' ability in Congress to do anything. And they're making voters not even want to vote Republican anymore. It's yeah, that yes. bad. Yes, 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 yes. So we're talking with Marjorie Taylor Greene. The book, uh, you go to mtgbook.com. Uh, the book is called MTG. It comes out next month. Uh, you can pre-order it now, mtgbook.com. You say they're cowards. What are they scared of? I, I have no idea. I, I mean, these are people I can't even relate to. The fact that they voted with Democrats to send articles of impeachment back to a committee that refuses to impeach 
Um, that that makes no sense to me. I, I, I can't make any sense of, of what they've done. But this is how it's been since I've been in Congress. So I wrote this book to tell these stories, uh, tell about getting kicked off committees um, early, like within a month of being in Congress, and 11 Republicans joined Democrats to do that to me. Um, I tell the stories about like a, a run-in I had with Cori Bush, uh, radical progressive. Um, you know, she's, she's the BLM congresswoman that led the mob through the neighborhood of the McCloskeys. Uh, we all remember that story. Cori Bush was the leader of that. Now she's a member of Congress and, and how she attacked me and what she gained out of it. Um, I talk about how I have tried multiple times uh, to engage and have a debate with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and how she has flat out refused and run away. It's like terrified to even talk to me. Um, but I, I tear her Green New Deal policies apart in my book because it's, it's, it's a scam on America and it's a scam on the entire world. Uh, but my frustration is with both parties. I, I will be really honest. I, I can't comprehend Republican, the Republican Party um, and I can't understand how they're so tone deaf to America and our problems and our needs. Um, it's so simple. You know, it's so simple to me, the things that we have to do in Washington. But we have people that are elected and holding office that make it absolutely impossible. So AOC will say uh, she's beneath me. MTG is beneath me. It's not worth my time. She's nothing but a showman. Uh, I, 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 I'm not going to deal with people like her. Yeah, <laughs> this is the uh, girl that graduated uh, from a very nice Ivy League college. Uh, the most job experience she has was a bartender. And what I've been told from uh, past customers of hers is she wasn't a very good bartender. And here she got propped up and by a very organized, well-funded group that, that got her elected in Congress. And if she wants to say, I'm beneath her, I, you know, I'm hardworking, run a construction company for 25 years, um, have raised three children. I'm very proud of them, proud to be a mother. Um, this is a woman that's childless because she loves abortion so much. You know, I, I definitely don't care about her insults, but I would love to take her down on a debate stage and show America exactly how stupid she really is. I've never heard anyone criticize her for being or mention that she's childless. She, yeah, she is. She, and, and she brings up abortion. She wants to talk about abortion all the time. I serve with her on the oversight committee and she'll complain about us, us uh, doing our impeachment inquiry, um, which I think is one of the most important investigations going on in Congress. And she's like, wait, why can't we talk about abortion? Women's reproductive rights, you know, Reproductive rights are are having a baby. That would be that would be having pregnancy and and bringing a child into the world. But you know, it, abortion is baby murder. It's it's killing a baby. It's it's there's nothing healthcare about it. There's nothing life saving about it. It's absolute murder. And that's what she loves. She loves abortion. She wants to talk about it. She is childless. Um, you know, and I'm. I'm not going to dive into whether she's had them or not, but you have to, you have to understand this is someone that wants to kill babies in the womb. Want, she's voted twice for abortion up until the day of birth. All the Democrats did last Congress. Nancy Pelosi held that vote two times because it was so important to them. 
and and here she is killing off the oil industry, oil and gas industry. I mean, this is you talk about a, a woman that is set on the destruction of America. She's set on killing off the next generation, and she's set on killing our energy and ability to survive. That's how bad she is. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, mtgbook.com. Uh, Congresswoman, I'm fascinated by you for and, and your journey here. Uh, because when you first came on the scene not too long ago, you've only been here two terms, right? Uh, you were the most hated person. And to someone who doesn't really pay attention to politics that much, would the media made you someone very easy to dismiss. So I just did a Google search of Marjorie Taylor Greene headlines from 2021 when you first came to office. <laughs> Oh, boy, that's terrifying. Uh, these are the first ones that popped up. It's all NPR and all these. Headlines. House removes Taylor Green from her committee assignments. Marjorie Taylor Green mocked Parkland survivor in unearthed video, an idiot who, who, who's trained like a dog, a promoter of QAnon right. and other, other conspiracy theories, and placed her on the House Education Committee despite her questioning of school shootings. So you're QAnon. Uh, Twitter permanently suspends Marjorie Taylor Green's account. Kevin McCarthy leads House GOP in blasting Marjorie Taylor Green's Holocaust remarks. So I bring all that up because, again, dismiss, dismiss, crazy, crazy, loon, QAnon, insane. And now you're like a high-ranking Republican in the good graces. Like you're like, you know, you're like one of the top people. How did that happen? Both of those things. Well, well, I can tell you firsthand the media lied about me unbelievably. And they have a very honed-in uh craft. They're good at it. They created a character of me that does not exist. And that's what they sold to the American people day in and day out every single day. The minute I got to Congress, I never expected that. I was blown away by it. I mean, I'm someone I've, I've never done drugs. I, I mean, I've never been arrested. I've gotten a speeding ticket before, paid my taxes every year. I mean, I, nothing is, is, you know, uh, extreme about me. I'm just very America first. If you're going to call me extreme, I'm extremely America first. I'm pro-life. I'm pro-parents. I, I believe in freedoms. I believe in our ability to, you know, live the American dream, open a business. I've been a small business owner my whole life. I come from a, a family business. Uh, these are the most wonderful things and I cherish them. And when I got to Washington, I was considered radical and extreme and they lied about me. And I think they did that because my viewpoints and my unapologetic, um, uh, fearless attitude to carry those views and the feelings of my district and the American people with me to Washington, I think they saw it as a threat. And so they literally set out to kill me. And I talk about that in, in my book. And I tell the true stories that was happening. Like the, the, the day that in January we had to go impeach, Nancy Pelosi called us back for an impeachment vote against President Trump, which was unbelievable. Uh, that, that same day, my father was having brain surgery to remove cancerous tumors, and I had to fly to Washington, leave my mother's side. It, I was devastated leaving my mother, and it's all I can think about, my father, and he, I may never see him again that day flying to Washington um and voting on such a horrible vote of course i voted you know no against impeachment it was outrageous but those were the things that were really happening in my life that i cared about so much um you know and after i was kicked off committees uh my father's battle with cancer was the only thing that that really i cared about and my mom and my family at home 
And but but every single day, no one would know any of that because they were just killing me in the media with these insane stories. And uh, it was awful. So I tell all of those stories in my book, um, MTG. And, you know, I think I think what happened here in Washington is people could not ignore the fact that if you talk to me and meet me in person, I am absolutely not the character that they tell you I am on television Mm -hmm. or that they write about. And it took some time for a lot of my colleagues to figure that out, but they figured it out. And they also I'll tell you what the big impact on them was is guess what? their voters and their people, their constituents agree with me. And that made it impossible for them to ignore. Yeah. And that was only true because you didn't give up. Uh, Have the attacks made you self-censor at all now, two years later? Self-censor? What I say? Yeah. Oh, in, in not in some ways I may rephrase the way I say things um, to make sure that my, what I'm saying is clear, but I'm still I'm very direct. I, I I think that America needs honesty. I think I think politicians have been so dishonest with the American people, and it's people are sick of it. People want the truth. They don't need it sugar coated, and so I, I have a direct and simple speaking style, um, but I'm not insensitive to people at all. And so I I try to think about that a little more clearly. But no, I'm still attacking the Republicans. I still can't believe how, what a failure the Republican Party is. And I want to change our party to reflect what our voters really want. Yeah, and and so I have no problem forcing that to happen. MTGbook.com. The book is called MTG. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Thank you, ma'am. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. MTGbook.com. What do you think of Marjorie Taylor Greene? Need more of her in Congress? You believe these eight Republicans who voted against impeaching Mayorkas? <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no person in the administration who deserves it more. It's more of a slam dunk, more obvious. Uh, in, in no way is that a, a political, oh, you're just doing it for political calculation. Like, no, like this guy's horrific at his job breaking the law, failing in every duty imaginable, uh, needs to go. It's not like he's the best at it. We can't, or there's no one else who could do it. Like he needs to go. And these eight Republicans said, uh, no, and it's, uh, we're not going to, we're going to follow procedure. Give me a break. I'm American made. Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. On tomorrow's show, we're going to talk to a congressman at 8 o'clock. Uh, excuse me, 7 o'clock. 8 o'clock. Nope, 8 o'clock. Sorry, time zone screwing me up. 8 o'clock. We're going to talk with the congresswoman uh, from Texas about, well, the funding bill and impeachment. And that, that's it. Like, how can the Republicans blow it so badly on both of these? Uh, we have a lot more to do. we got to talk about immigration. We, I'm not going to stop talking about the Americans who were killed. And I'm thinking about reaching out to the family of of one of the uh, 31 SEALs who were killed in that helicopter crash back in 2011. Do it tomorrow. Thanks later. Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word.